if you have ever, don't you just kind of wonder what's coming next whenever anybody says that? If you have ever heard only part of a conversation and drawn a conclusion which was false because you didn't hear the whole thing, raise your hand. For example, if you heard somebody in the church say, Eric Bond spent the night in jail last night. And you didn't hear the rest of the sentence, which was, or at least that's what it seemed like when we were playing Monopoly, because every time we went around, he seemed to be in jail. If you didn't hear the rest of it, you could have really drawn some wrong conclusions. Well, you know, some of our friends and neighbors, as well as sadly, some of our brethren in the Lord's church, sometimes, have a bad habit of taking half texts, ignoring the rest of the context, and building an entire theology or an entire idea on this half text, taken out of context maybe, and, and those sorts of things. For example, I'm going to ask you to turn with me, if you would, in your Bibles to Acts chapter 16 for just a moment as I elaborate on this a little more. We know the story in Acts chapter 16, verses 16 through 29. We know that Paul and Silas are out and there is this slave girl with a spirit of divination and she keeps after them and finally Paul commands that spirit to come out of her. Those who made money off of her were upset. They had Paul and Silas thrown in jail. They are fastened in stocks in the most secure part of the prison. We know there's an earthquake there. The doors are opened, the earthquake happens, and the jailer rushes in. Pick up with me, if you would, in verse 30. Acts 16, verse 30. The jailer rushes in and he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your household. A lot of people want to stop right there. Pluck it out of its context and say, see, all I got to do is believe. It's all I got to do to be saved. But they've only got half of the discussion. Not even really all of that, because if you read on in the next couple of verses, see what it says. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all who were in his house. He didn't know what to believe. He didn't have a clue. They said, you've got to believe on the Lord. And then they went and taught him what he had to believe. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes, and immediately he and all his family were baptized. You see, he didn't know what to do. They said, believe on the Lord, and they explained what they meant by that. And in that explanation, it obviously came out he needed to be baptized, and so that very hour of the night he was. Baptism was indeed essential in this situation, as we see. But tonight, uh, this morning's sermon's not about baptism. What I want us to do is understand that sometimes even we can have a habit of taking a piece of a verse. For example, turn to me in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 10. How many times? Don't raise your hands. Don't say anything. You don't need to. I just want us to think about this. How often have we heard someone, or maybe we ourselves, have said in a moment of great trial or tragedy, well, Lord's not going to give me any more than I can handle. Well, Lord won't give me any more than I can take. You know that's not all of that verse, right? You know there's a whole lot more to that verse 
than just that line. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 says, in its entirety, the following. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. That's not the end of the verse. There's not a period there. There's a comma. There's more to that verse. But with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it or endure it. There's more to it than God won't give me more than I can handle. There's a lot more sentence there. We can't just take that part of it and white out the rest of it. There's so much more to it. Turn uh, right there in your Bibles. I've got to turn back to get to it, but maybe you don't. I want to start in verse 1 of this chapter and take a look for a moment and see exactly how God provided that way out. See some of the dynamics of this particular text. Follow along with me, would you please? 1 Corinthians 10, verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea, all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, all ate the same spiritual food, drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with most of them, God was not well pleased, for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now these things became our examples, to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Do not become idolaters as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Nor let us commit sexual immorality as some of them did, and in one day 23,000 fell. Nor let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by serpents. Nor complain as some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now all these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition upon whom the end of the ages have come. Therefore, let him who thinks he stand take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you, except such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. What I want us to see, and the reason I took the time to read those 13 verses is this. Understand with me, there was no God-accepted, well-pleasing action or escape for those people who decided to please themselves and try to make their own way. That's what I want us to understand. There was no well-pleasing action or escape for those who sought to make their own way while denying God and his word and his way out, verses 5 through 10. They could try to find a way out of their problems, but there wasn't one if they weren't listening to God. You see, God is the one that makes the way of escape to say that, well, God's not going to allow me to be tempted above what I'm able. That's true. But in order to get through it and persevere, we've got to do it his way because he's the one that's going to provide the way of escape. That's the thing that we so often miss in this particular text. This is because God's prescribed way of escape is often only straight through the problem. 
holding tightly onto him. God's way of escape is often only straight through the problem while holding tightly onto him. I want us to see this expressed in the actual story that we read the recap of in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1 and 2. Let's go back and look at the actual story in Exodus 14, beginning at verse 1. Exodus chapter 14, we read there about Moses in the Red Sea. And I want us to see how this current slide I have up is so incredibly true. Exodus chapter 14, verse 1. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, that they turn and camp between Pi-Haharoth, between Migdal and the sea, opposite Baal-Zephon. You shall camp before it by the sea. Now Exodus 14 and verse 3. For Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, they are bewildered by the land. The wilderness has closed them in. Then I will harden Pharaoh's heart so he will pursue them, and I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over all his army that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. And they did so. Now it was told the king of Egypt that the people had fled, and the heart of Pharaoh and his servants was turned against the people. And they said, why have we done this? That we have let Israel go from serving us. Now watch, watch his preparation. So he made ready his chariot, took his people with him. Also, remember, he's going against a bunch of, of people that are not, not ready for war and trained in war. They were slaves. They, they built mud bricks. He took 600 choice chariots. He took his elite guard. And all the chariots of Egypt. Wouldn't it have been just easy to have said, well, he took all the chariots of Egypt? Yeah, but, but God wants you to know he took the choicest as well. He, he's ready. He's going. He's going to annihilate these people. All the chariots of Egypt with captains over every one of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the children of Israel. Children of Israel went out with boldness. So the Egyptians pursued them. All the horses and chariots of Pharaoh, his horsemen and his army. He's got them on horseback. He's got infantry. He's going after them hardcore. And he overtook them, camping by the sea, beside Pi-Haharoth, before Baal-Zephon. When Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes. Behold, the Egyptians marched after them, so they were very afraid. And the children of Israel cried out, to the Lord, I think I'd have cried out to the Lord too. Verse 13, Moses said to the people, do not be afraid, stand still, see the salvation of the Lord which he'll accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. The Lord will fight for you, you shall hold your peace. And the Lord said to Moses, this is one of my favorite verses in this whole story. The Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. And you've heard me say this before, God's ready. God's ready to do what God said he'd do. But sometimes we have to be pushed a little to get into action while God's waiting. God says, why are you crying to me? Tell them to get going. I'll keep my hand. I'm ready. Let's get them going. Lift up your rod, stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the children, watch this, of Israel shall go, shall go on dry land straight through, and yes, I'm adding the word straight, they will go through the midst of the sea. Now, understand that when they're facing this big obstacle, they've got other options. They, they do have other options, but none of them are good. 
They could have decided, well, we're going to fix this problem on our own. What we're going to do is we're going to go to Pharaoh and we're going to become slaves again to Pharaoh. We'll go right back into being slaves. I don't know if he would have killed a lot of them or not. I really don't know. Another option they had was that along the seashore there, they could have run right or left with the sea at their back and, and Pharaoh coming. But you know, you know what happens? Like if you're out in the woods and there's a bear and you, know, and you turn your back and start running, you know what happens, right? They pursue you. Can you imagine Pharaoh as upset as he is and you got these guys fleeing and scurrying like, like rats off a sinking ship? He'd have hunted them down and, and that had been the end of them. They have other options here, but none of them are good. They could have stood and fought. Bunch of peasants fighting the most elite force in the choice chariots of one of the world's superpowers at that time. They would have had no chance whatsoever. Them, their children, their wives, they would have been annihilated. God's way of escape for those who had the faith to follow him despite their worst fears straight through the biggest, most formidable, most impossible obstacle in their path, straight through, by trusting and obeying and holding on to God ever tighter than before, no matter how impossible further progress might have seemed. Look with me at verse 21. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night. It made the sea into dry land, and the waters were divided. So the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea on the dry ground, and the waters were a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. God's answer was a straight-through faith. And that's always the way it is with God, it seems. You see, when the tempter comes to us, and the tempter, Satan, tempts us to do something, one of his basic and most reliable tactics always seems to be to offer people the wide and easy way out. To always try to offer people the easy way, the wide way the God-defying and word-deserting way. Surely you remember Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. Wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. There are many who go in by it. But narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. I want you to think about this. God's way is often difficult. A straight-through faith is, is often very difficult. And sometimes it doesn't seem like the right way. Is God, did God provide the way of escape for the Israelites? Sure did. But it was straight through. It was a way that took trusting him. It was a way that took God's hand in theirs, God's word to heart, and trusted him and did it his way. That's the rest of verse 13. But with the temptation, God will provide the way of escape, and we must have a straight through faith, one that doesn't take the easy way, but one that walks straight through with God, holding on to him tighter than ever before. We see this throughout the scriptures. We know these stories. I'm not going to turn to them. I don't need to. You know them. Isn't that exactly what happened with Daniel's three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? 
The king makes the, in Daniel chapter 3, king builds, we know the story, Nebuchadnezzar builds this big gold statue, wants everybody to bow down and worship it. When they hear the music play, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refuse to do so, they say that God is, is they're not going to serve this golden statue. And the king says, well, then I'm going to throw you into this fiery furnace. We've been taught this since we were this tall, right? I'm going to throw you into this fiery furnace. Now, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego could have taken the easy way out. They could have taken the wide way out, the way everybody else had gone. And bowed down, but they didn't. They said to the king, our God is able to deliver us, and even if our God does not deliver us, we're still not going to take the wide and easy. I'm paraphrasing. We're still not going to do it your way. You see, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had a straight-through faith. They were willing to go to take God's hand, to obey God no matter what, and go straight through the obstacle. They could heat the fire up seven times, and did seven times what it was worth, so that the men that, that took them up there, perished taking them up there to this incredibly hot furnace, seven times it's normal heat. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had a straight-through faith. They trusted God. They said, our God is able, and they went straight through the fire. Did God reward that? Boy, did God reward that. Would God have rewarded it if they had bowed down and given up on their God? No. Brethren, we need a straight-through faith. It's a kind we always see in the scriptures. About Jesus. Consider with me from Matthew chapter 4 in particular the temptations of Jesus. Jesus has fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. He gets done, and what's the first thing? The, the tempter comes to him and says, command these stones to be turned into bread. Boy, that must have been tempted. If you've ever gone, you know, if you, it's coming the first of the year when we make those resolutions that we all break. I'm going to lose some weight, and that lasts till about lunchtime. You, you all know what I'm talking about, right? Okay, good. I do. Jesus is 40 days. And the first thing, you know, the tempter doesn't offer him like, you know, a new chariot or something because that really wasn't the big temptation. That wouldn't have been a draw for Jesus, okay? But he said, command these, take, this, take the easy way out, Jesus. You don't have to wait on God. Hey, you can do this. Turn these stones into bread. Take the easy way out. Don't go by God. Don't wait for God to deal with your situation. You can do this. You don't have to wait. Jesus said, man does not live by bread alone. It is written, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And so Satan decides to play the scripture game there in Matthew 4, 1 through 11, takes him up to the pinnacle of the temple and said, cast yourself off. You know what? If you really want to show people who you are, if you don't want to have to go through all this stuff that you're going to have to go through, and you really want to show people, you fall off the top of the temple, boy, and, and let angels come, and, and everybody will see it, and it's the shortcut. It's the easy way. It'll take care of it. Jesus said, it is written, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Finally, Satan takes Jesus up to this high place. He shows him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. He says, all of these you can have if you'll fall down and worship me. The implication is this. Jesus, you don't have to go to the cross. You don't have to put up with all these people for the next three and a half years or however long. You don't have to take the scourging and the beating. You don't have to go through the cross. You don't have to go through crucifixion. There's an easy way to get around this. You can have all of these kingdoms in them just like that. If you'll just fall down and worship me, you can have the easy way. And Jesus said, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. What did Jesus have? 
Jesus said, I'm going straight through this because I trust God. I'm not looking for the circumvential route. I'm not looking to get around it. I'm going to do this God's way. Jesus had a straight through conviction in his father. You'll recall, of course, when Jesus went to the garden later on three times, he prayed. If there's any way for that cup to pass from him, that it would, but every time it came back to the same thing, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. What is Jesus saying? I'll go, I'll go through this. Lord, if that's what you want. If there's any way I can get around this, fine. But you know what? Not my will, but thine be done. I will go straight through this, God, if this is what you want me to do. I will do it. Because you're God. Jesus had a straight through faith. Did God honor that? Oh, did God honor that? Turn to me in your Bibles, if you would, to Hebrews 5. It was because of Jesus' reverent submission, his piety, his godly fear, depending on which way your version is worded, that God heard him. Jesus was willing to obey God no matter what because of his godly fear, his reverent submission, his humble piety. Hebrews 5, 5 through 7 says this, So also Christ did not glorify himself to become high priest, but it was he who said to him, You are my son, today I have begotten you. And as he also says in another place, You are priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death, he was heard because of his godly fear. Jesus offered up prayers that said, if there's another way, but in the end, God, uh, Jesus had a straight through faith. Jesus offered those prayers up to his Father. And he was heard because he was willing to go straight through whatever it was God wanted him to go straight through, to take God's hand, to obey God's word and do it God's way. That was the way of escape, as it were. Jesus was heard. But the way of escape was still to take God's will to heart, God's hand in his, and go straight on through to his last living breath. <laughs> Verses 8 and 9 of Hebrews 5 say that because of that, though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered, and having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. God's reward for Jesus' straight-through faith, and that's the title of this morning's lesson, a straight-through faith. God's reward is found in Hebrews chapter 2. I'm sorry, Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. Please turn there and look at the beautiful, the powerful, the unimaginable reward for Jesus' straight-through faith. In Philippians chapter 2, beginning at verse 8 and running through verse 11, it says this. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of a cross. Therefore, because he did that, because he had a straight through faith that would go straight through whatever God wanted him to go through, by holding on to God, by trusting God, no matter what, therefore... 
God also has highly exalted and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven, those on earth, and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The message in the book of Hebrews that I want for us to understand is this. God always rewards, always rewards those who endure and maintain such an obedient, scriptural, patient, persistent, straight through faith. God always rewards that. Always, 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 always. Did I say always? Always. Turn to me and look in your own Bibles in Hebrews 6. Let's look at three quick examples. Hebrews chapter 6 of the fact that God always rewards those who endure and maintain a faith that trusts him enough to go straight through whatever it is that God needs for them to go straight through. Hebrews chapter 6, beginning at verse 13. When God made a promise to Abraham because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself, saying, Surely, blessing I will bless you, and multiplying I will multiply you. And so, after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. Look with me in Hebrews 10, verses 35 through 39. Look what it says. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we're not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. We would notice from Hebrews chapter 12, our final example, verses 1 through 3. Talk about a straight through faith. Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. He went straight through it. We would notice also that this applies to us further in chapter 12, from verses 7 through 15, where it says, If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you're without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you're illegitimate, not sons. Furthermore, we had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? They indeed for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them, but he for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. No chastening seems joyful for the present, but painful. Not easy when you're going through it. I, I don't imagine it was easy. You know, if I'm one of those Israelites and I'm looking up at those walls of water and fish, and so I, I'm thinking, what if this lets go? <laughs> it couldn't have been easy to take those first few steps in between those walls of water, do you think? Would that have been easy for you? Wouldn't have for me. I mean, I'd, I'd like think I'd have done it, but it wouldn't have been easy. I don't know if that had been the first one. You know, let the first brother or sister head in. It's like, okay, well, they survived. Maybe it'll be okay with me. It's like eating certain foods you don't want to eat, right? You figure, well, it didn't kill them. It probably won't me. Sometimes it's painful to begin with. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those 
who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down, make the, and the feeble knees, and make straight paths for your feet, so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather be healed. Pursue peace with all people, and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Straight through faith. Listen. Life's tough. I put in a bulletin last week, article by Brother Brad Harob, and you know what? It's absolutely true. The more I've preached and the more I've become involved with people's lives over the years, everybody's got problems. Everybody's dealing with something. Everybody's got their cross to bear. Everybody. Everybody. There's no such thing as the perfect family that's got, that everything is just perfect in. It just doesn't work that way. We live in a fallen world. Life is tough. And I understand that. But when the going gets tough, when the road is rough and the way is dim, when it seems like the way forward, through the obstacle, whatever it is in your life that you are facing that is just insurmountable, it is so big and we're scared like the Israelites. We see, we see the hammer being dropped, as it were. We see the, the Egyptians whatever form that takes coming over the rise. We, we see this terrible thing and, and we've got no place to go and, we're, and we're, our backs are up against the wall and, and we've got, it just looks like I can't get through this, God. Understand that when that happens, the answer is not. The answer is not. Capital N. O-T. Highlighted, underlined. The answer is not drawing back and shying away from serving the Savior. That's not the answer, Hebrews 10, 32 through 39. The answer is not, brethren, the answer is not walking away and abandoning the church. Hebrews 6, 4 through 8, and 12, 22 through 29. That's not the answer. Because when we are tempted, God will provide the way of escape. But the way of escape doesn't mean getting away from God. You see, do you see that? So many people think, well, well my problem is because I'm a Christian and, and this person doesn't like me, or this person said that, or this person said something else. And, and, and that's my problem. Boy, if I just get away from church, if I just leave church, everything be okay. No, it won't. Because when you leave church, you leave God. It's a package deal, Hebrews 12. And leaving God is the last thing you need when you are facing an obstacle that you can't get through yourself. That is the absolute thing not to do. When you do, Satan's got to smile because just like those, those, those Israelites, if they had gone in small pockets and they had, they had run up the sand and turned their back to, to Pharaoh, he'd have had them easy. They were easy prey by themselves, running up the sand in small pockets, fleeing the people of God, the leader of God, fleeing God's presence. That would have been the worst possible thing they could have done, brethren. When the road is rough, the way is dim, and it seems like the way forward is impossible, the answer is not giving up and going back into the world, 2 Timothy 4.10, 2 Peter 2.20-22. And I mean this with all the love. I mean no disrespect at all. I mean this with all the love in my heart. Neither is the answer 
praying to God and then pretending to hold on to him and then standing frozen in fear and disbelief instead of displaying a straight through faith when he provides the straight and narrow way through. Those Israelites, God says, why do you cry to me? Tell them to get moved. I've got the way. I'm not the one that's hesitating here. Tell them to move. If we're going to pray to God and we're going to rely on God and we're going to trust God and we're going to trust his word and the obstacle is there and if God in his word tells us how to deal with that the answer is not standing there frozen in fear the answer is a straight through faith just like Abraham with Isaac when God says go to the mountain and make the most difficult of sacrifices Abraham I want you to sacrifice your son When God asks us to make the most difficult of sacrifices, we need to train ourselves through faith in God's word, not to hesitate, but instead to pick up, to pack up, to depart and head straight to and through what God told us to do. Isn't that what Abraham did? Do you ever notice this in Genesis 22? Turn there with me, even if you know the story. We're only going to look at the first three verses. Did you notice? Something about this story that sometimes escapes our grasp. Not only did Abraham do what he was told, but Abraham wasn't like Moses. He didn't have to be dragged kicking and screaming to do it. He didn't come up with every excuse in the book. When God said, I want you to go do this, guess what he did? He gets up good and early the next morning and packs his stuff to leave. No hesitation, no grumbling, no complaining. He's ready to go. He's got a straight through faith. Genesis 22, 1 through 3, it came to pass. After these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love. Go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham kicked and said, no, he didn't. So Abraham rose early in the morning. He wants to get a good start on it. You ever want to go on vacation or something and you plan to leave at like, you know, a certain time in the morning? You can't sleep that night, you get anxious, you're just ready to go, and so you, you get up a little earlier than you thought and just, just can't wait to get out the door. Here's Abraham. Gets up early the next morning. He's ready to go. Saddled his donkey. Took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son. He split the wood for the burnt offering, rose and went to the place which God had told him. Boom. He did the work. Packed up, got the wood ready, he's ready to go. You think that was easy for him when God said, I want you to go up there and sacrifice your son? No, but Abraham had a straight through faith. Whatever God said, Abraham was going to go straight through it with God's help. Was, did God reward him for that? Abraham is the father of all the faithful. Like Moses with the Israelites, when God says to go through the depths, make the most unfathomable of moves. We must learn through faith not to hesitate, not to freeze up, not to turn around or turn back to destruction. Instead, Move on toward victory, straight through the heart of the obstacle itself when God says, go. Like Jesus, the Calvary. When God says, go to the cross, and I want, you to I want you to go to the cross, Jesus, and I want you to make the most unbelievable and incredible of sacrifice. I want you to go up there 
And I want you to sacrifice for people who are going to hate you, for people who are going to spit on you, for people who are going to abandon and reject and deny you. I want you to go die for them, Jesus. I want you to go straight through the cross. Jesus trusts in his Father for providing the way. His faith, if you will, was unbreakable, unshakable, and untakeable. In Matthew 26, 36 through 46, we have that story in the garden where he prays three times. And I know I've told you this before, but I want you to turn there one more time. Turn to that passage with me for a moment, would you? Matthew 26, we're not going to read the, the whole passage, just two verses. Matthew 26, after Jesus has prayed to three, the third time and he comes back and he finds his disciples, I want you to pay particular attention to verses 45 and 6. 45 and 6. Then he came to his disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. See, my betrayer is at hand. I'm not telling you how to look at this, and I wasn't there to hear the tone of that any more than you were, but when I read that, it seems to me, in my head, the way I think, and probably nobody else thinks like I do, but that's okay. Bear with me for a minute. When I read that, it seems to me that Jesus, do you think Jesus is at peace with the decision at this point? You think he's at peace with it? Looks like it. He's, he's given it to God, and he's okay. And, and I see Jesus is almost excited here, not as, let's go run and hide because I don't want to do this, and, and here they come, and, and we've got to, out that's not the attitude at all. When Jesus comes back, he wakes up, he says, you're still sleeping? He said, you need to get up. I'm being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Hey, my betrayer's coming. What had he done? He said, I'm willing to go straight through this because this is what my father said to do. I trust him, and I will go straight through this. Hey, hey, my betrayer's coming. Come on, get up. We go. I've given this to God, and he said I could do that. Let's go. I don't know if that's the case or not, but when I read it, that's what it seems like to me. In other words, brethren, No matter the size of the obstacle or problem in front of you, and I know we've got some big ones, and I'm not minimizing yours, everybody's got problems. No matter the size of the obstacle before you, or the pain and the power of the problem behind you, we must cling to God even tighter, listen to God even closer, and obey God even quicker, whatever his word says to do, when it comes to persevering and pushing straight through. Because it is only through such a straight through faith, a no turning back, I trust God, yes, we're all tempted of God, but God will make the way of escape. It is only by taking his hand, trusting in him, and going straight through that having that kind of a straight-through faith that we will ever find our way through to eternal victory. Turning back is not an option. Leaving the church is not an option. Failing to do it God's way is not an option. 
God will not give us more than we can handle, but the way out is to take his hand and trust him and go straight through whatever it is he says we must. Question, do you have such a straight through faith this morning? Do you need the prayers of the brethren here in order to increase your currently stand still in fear faith and turning it into a straight through the fire faith? Do you need those prayers? Are you struggling with something so big and you just don't have the faith to charge through it the way God says and you need the prayers again of the church? Or maybe you're somebody here who's never been biblically baptized into Christ. Jesus told us both himself and through his apostles that we would need to be born again of the water of the spirit, that we need to be immersed, we need to be baptized, have our sins washed away. Jesus said in John 14 in verse six, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. In order to go through something, whether it's a tunnel or whatever it is, think of a tunnel, in order to go through a tunnel, to go from where you are to where you need to be in order to go through a tunnel, you've got to get in the tunnel. Well, in order to go through Jesus, no man comes to the Father except through me. In order to go through him, you've got to get into him. The Bible tells us there's only one way to get into Christ. That phrase only occurs twice in the entire New Testament. Both times it tells us we must be baptized into Christ. You've got to be put into Christ so you can go through Christ to get to God. Straight and narrow begins when you are baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Again, if you need the prayers of the church, that you would have more of a straight through faith, more trust in God to be the way of escape in whatever it is you're facing, or if you need to be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, this church is an incredible group of saints. We will pray with you, we will study with you, we will cry with you, we will baptize you, we will rejoice with you. If you have any of those needs, would you come right now, right now as we stand and sing and say, I have a need, please. <laughs>